So I thought, this is a campus day, we call it. It's, it's the week in between services. So like our Chattanooga campus had a live speaker. Um, as you know, some of our other campuses are starting to, to meet again. It's starting to happen. But this is like this interstitial period in between the next series that we start and the series that we just ended. And didn't Pastor Andy do a phenomenal job last week with the Future of Group? Yeah, man. Just amazing, amazing. That kid, man, he's going to preach. He's going to preach. He should just take over. Uh, seriously, let him do it. It's all good. But, but, um, but as I was thinking about the sermon and what God was laying on my heart, I'm going to talk about the Sabbath one more week. Is that all right? Is that okay? Because it just felt like it was time. And it's not that he didn't round up the service perfectly. He did a great job. I'm not, I'm not undermining what Andy did. I'm, in, I'm encouraging it. And I'm now finishing it the way I wanted to finish it. So <laughs> if that's all right. No, he, he was great. It's just, this is something that God put on my heart. And I want to tell you guys from Foothills, you may have heard some of this before. Because God just kept, kept messing with my head with that. So I apologize. But, you know, you get a rerun a little bit. So, you know, this series, we've been talking about the Sabbath. What it really is. What it really can be. How you can give it away. How it's best expressed how it pushes back on the economies of Egypt, scarcity, and lives us into a Sabbath economy of abundance of God. But I wonder this, and it's just been on my heart for a while, does God ever demand a pause in your life? So you gotta stop thinking about Sabbath as just a day right now. You gotta think about when God calls you to Sabbath for a season. And not only when God calls you to Sabbath for a season, when God demands that you will be Sabbathing for a season, right? That's a little bit different because sometimes God gets a little directive. He created the universe. Sometimes he gets to tell us what to do. <laughs> and so has God ever made you wait? And I mean really wait. Not just wait for an answer, right? Not just that little moment when you tell somebody like, I love you. And then there's that wait. And then they go, thank you which is not what you want to hear. It's not that. I'm talking about a wait. I'm talking about like a prolonged, protracted amount of time where it feels like your life is put on pause. It feels like God has called you to the bench. It feels like he's calling you out into the desert. Your direction that you thought you were heading is going on pause, whether it's your career, whether it's, you know, your spiritual life, whatever it is, right? Has God called you to that? Because chances are many of you have experienced that. And, you, and you've tried to wrestle through it and wonder what's going on. Because what, what was it like? It probably wasn't easy. It probably didn't make you feel less anxious, less full of anxiety. You probably didn't enjoy it, even though that's kind of why it was given to you. Like, uh, take a moment, and you're like stressed out the whole time. Right? It's like when we used to, you know, when you used to go to churches that would print the bulletin, they would print the day, the moment that Sabbath was over. That creates anxiety. Right? 642. But, you know, the worst part is you're not knowing what God is doing because God sidelined you, so what is God doing? And you wonder, like, was the pause to give you peace? Because I'm sure it didn't feel like it. But perhaps you just didn't realize, as the song says, that God is working in your waiting. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. Even when you can't see it, he's working. So in your waiting, God is still moving. And that's the truth that we need to understand about this pause, whether it's a season, whether it's a day, whether it's a moment. Something is happening. And I don't know if you're like me, but I can't stand waiting. I cannot stand it. I've told you this before. I grew up in a household where if you weren't five minutes early, you were 10 minutes late, which I don't even know how to do the math on that. 
But like we, Gillespie's show up early even when we're trying to show up late. Like we don't want to be the first person at your party. We will be. And it will be awkward for a few moments until somebody else shows up. We will actually pull up the GPS, realize, okay, it's 18 minutes away. Let's wait four more minutes so we won't get there on time. We'll be four minutes late and we still show up three minutes early. It's this weird curse that we live under. But I can't stand waiting. Professionally, I cannot stand it when someone's late for a meeting that they said they were going to have with me. I don't like waiting around. I don't like doing it. And Zoom has exacerbated that like crazy because now you're just waiting by the computer for 2 p.m. Right? And, and if you're the one hosting the meeting, you're up, you're waiting, and you're like, let's go, let's go. It's 201. What the world? I don't I've got things to do. What's happening? And then, then you think, no, I don't want them to think I was just waiting for them because you don't want that hard stare, you know? So, so you start, like, doing stuff, some other stuff, and then they show up, and you're like, oh, sorry, I was busy. I didn't know. No, you're waiting for them, waiting for them to come. Why are they three minutes late? Like, you were going to be productive in those three minutes. I don't like waiting. But I got to remember that there's something happening when nothing's happening. In our waiting, God is working. Maybe sometimes that work is just teaching us to be faithful in the not knowing what's next. Have you ever had to be faithful in the pause? Have you ever had to be faithful when God just tells you stop? I need you to stop doing what you're doing. I, I don't need you in the way that you think I need you anymore. Maybe there's a season where things were going great and it's time to stop. I've referenced this before, but I think it's worth saying again. I was, you know, before I came to Crosswalk, I was involved in a ministry that was, it was great. It was phenomenal. Some of you were with me in it and it was, it was amazing. And I, I remember counting up one time how many, how many times I had spoken through the previous year. And it was close to 350 times. I mean, literally, I was speaking for God almost every single day, whether I was teaching, whether I was doing devotional somewhere, whether I was preaching somewhere. I would go and, you know, preach for 10 days and preach three times a day. And like, I looked at those numbers and I was like, look, man, God is using me. This is amazing what's happening. I mean, I would look at my frequent flyer miles and know that God was blessing me. Like, I would get bumped up because of the work I was doing for Jesus. So I didn't feel bad when the old lady didn't get bumped up to first class when it was my name first. I'd be like, well, I was working for God, so I've got to take this. It's a blessing, and I receive it. I receive it because he wants me to have it. I receive it and give me that warm towel. You know? It, but you, you start thinking, you know, you start thinking weird like that. You start thinking like, God, God needs me to do this work, so it's really important. I'm really important to do it. And in the back of my head, there was like this low hum um, that I suppressed a great deal that was maybe you should stop. Maybe you should stop. And I was like, that's just the devil, clearly, because look what's happening, you know? You get a little bit of that church famous. That was weird. But people know who you are, right? Because you're speaking everywhere. In my Facebook, like I had tons of friends on Facebook. I had 5,000 friends and that's all you can have. Like, I don't know who decided, like, that's it. You can, you have no more capacity. Because really it should be like 32. Right? At 32, we should just cap it and be like, nobody else cares. You're going to show up in my feed, but I don't even know who you are. Right? I, it was, and that's addictive. Just so you know. Being used by God... And feeling like God is working through you is addictive and it's got to be good. Didn't matter if, you know, I was neglecting my family. Didn't matter if I was neglecting my wife. 
Didn't matter if I, was, if I was running myself ragged. That didn't matter because God was using me. And of course he wants me to be this busy. Of course he wants me to be this important. Of course he wants these things for me. And still there's this low hum. Maybe you should stop. Maybe you should stop. And while things were going great, there were a lot of things that were falling apart. But I couldn't see that. And I remember I had a buddy call me up and he was like, hey, um, there's this job I thought maybe you'd be interested in. And I was like, what are you talking about, a job outside of ministry? No, can't you see what's going on? Can't you see what God is doing? And of course, doing through me, like I'm so like, lucky to be the conduit of all this success. You need to stop. I interviewed for the job, I ended up getting it. I mean, there's a whole lot in this story. You're getting an abbreviated version, obviously, but and it was time to go. My wife felt it, I felt it. And so I stepped out of ministry. And I gotta tell you, from being like the center of the momentum one week, where, you know, people like this, you know, you guys are listening and, and there's energy and there's, you know, excitement in the room. Going from that one day to literally not knowing what church you were gonna go to the next, like it's that quick, you cease to exist. And I thought, God, are you sure this is of you? Because I don't want this pause. I don't know that I need this pause. And God said, just wait. Just, can you just wait on me for a little bit? Because I don't need to hear you anymore. That was painful. I'm a preacher, that's what I do. That's where all my value and all my worth comes from. If I'm not doing that, then what am I doing? Oh, you're just going to be my child sitting on a couch, shutting up. I don't, I don't like that. We don't like waiting. Maybe that's why we need the Sabbath. The first time I ever had to really wait for something, I was in the Rome airport in August. Now, if you travel in Europe, you should know that in August, Europe just decides, nah, I'm not going to go to work. I'm not feeling it. And so there just wasn't that many people in the airport. And I remember our plane got delayed. It got delayed by 30 minutes. And that's, you know, a long time. <laughs> At the end of 30 minutes, it got pushed back to another 45 minutes. Okay, like an hour and 15 minutes. Okay, plane's late. You know, we're all anxious. For the next 48 hours, they move the plane in increments of 45 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours. For the next 48 hours, we were in that airport. Like we killed those vending machines. There was nothing left at the end. A whole tour of us when my dad was leading a tour. This is the first time I really had to wait. By the way, that's really set up something that's okay for me. Like I'm not one of those people when the plane's delayed that gets upset. And I actually don't appreciate those people because if they want to fix the plane, take a while. Like I don't need you to fix the plane fast. I need you to fix the plane well, and you don't get fast and well at the same time the majority of the time. Like, I've been on the plane, and the guy's looking at the wing, and I'm like, just keep looking at it, man, because he's like... And I'm like, he is confused about what's going on in that wing. Figure that out, man. That puzzle needs to be solved before we're going to take off. And, the, you know, the, the, the pilot gets on, well, you know, it should be fixed very soon. And I'm like, no! Take your time. Do you need help? I'm happy to help. I will pray for the plane. That's all I will do. When, when, you're, when you're put in that position to wait, right, that Sabbath, that moment, that pause reminds us to trust in God. Because Sabbath reminds us to trust in God beyond our impatience, beyond what we believe we should be doing. And we are reminded of this in Scripture to just wait on God sometimes. 
Wait for him to speak. Wait for him to show up. Wait for him to give you direction. Psalmist says it this way in Psalm 27, 13 and 14, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. And then it says a great thing. It says, be brave and courageous because it is weak to move ahead of God. It is not courageous. It is cowardice to not allow God to move in your life first. It takes courage and bravery to sit and shut up and wait for God to tell you what you should do. We don't like waiting for that. But it says be brave and courageous. Courageous, yes. Just wait patiently on the Lord. Because in the waiting, we begin to anticipate the presence of the Lord. And just like Gavion said, that's why we worship, right? To anticipate the presence of God. And hopefully that's what your worship consists of, waiting to see where he shows up. We're anxious for his presence, but we're not sure where it's going to show up and how it's going to show up. Um, when I was playing music, and forgive me if I told this story before, when we were playing music, we were going to play up in the Rose Garden Arena in Portland, and U2 was playing first. And not like first on the night, like months before. Because... <laughs> Why would we be playing with you too? That's ridiculous. It makes absolutely no sense. But in our heads, like our little band, we were like, we're going to play the same room. We got to go up and see you too. Like, I don't know, to like make sure the room was okay or something. None of it made any sense. But we flew up, a few of us flew up to go see you too. Right? And I remember there's some opening band. Um, I remember there was an opening band. I don't remember what the opening band was because it's an opening band and who cares. And, um, and so, so it ends. They turn on like the house lights and we're just listening to music, waiting for you two to come on. And um, they start playing Beautiful Day, that U2 song. And I was like, nobody plays the song in the band that's about to get up. Like, they don't do that in between bands. That's weird. That's not how you set it up. And so we're all listening, you know, saying, what a beautiful day. -na 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 -na. We had horrible seats, right? We're way up somewhere in the nosebleed section. And we look down and there's all this, like, there's activity happening, like on a back door, kind of in the main entrance. There's like this activity happening. There's stuff going on, but we can't really see what's going on. And out of that activity, we see like a guy walk out, and then another guy walk out and another guy walk out. In the middle of them playing Beautiful Day with all the house lights on, you two decides to show up at the back of the room and just walk through the crowd. Listen, I go to big shows because I like big shows. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've noticed we like lights and that sort of thing. I love that. I'll go see almost any band that has a big budget because it's cool. The first, the first uh, band that Isaac and I went and saw, um, like the way it started, the way it started was huge explosions and the guy shot up from under the stage and like jumps up like, ha! And you're like, yeah, that's magic and cool. Like I'm a, I'm a drama queen apparently. I love it. Anyway, this band is just, this band, arguably one of the biggest bands on the planet, is just walking through the crowd like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Their band, their music's playing. They walk up on stage, no fanfare, no lights, nothing. Literally, the house lights are still on. They walk up on stage and like meander around like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Pick up their guitars. And they start playing like on the second chorus and it was cool, it was cool. And then of course they had an amazing light show and all that. But, but it got me thinking, you know, often God shows up differently than we expect, right? We expect God to show up in very particular ways and sometimes God shows up through the back door. Sometimes God shows up loudly, sometimes he shows up quietly, but it is in that Sabbath that it gives us time to recognize that he's among us even if he didn't show up in the way we thought he was going to. 
The thing is what we don't ask all the time, which we should ask. I mean, when God provides a Sabbath, the best thing for us to do is ask to know what it is. What are you teaching me? in this pause? What, what are you trying to get me to understand? What clarity do I need to have? Because I'm not doing anything else but waiting on you. That's when we lean into his will. In every Sabbath, whether a day or a season or a moment, God is wanting to teach you something about him. He's wanting to teach you something about yourself. He's wanting to teach you something about the direction you're supposed to be going and the will that he has in your life. In every moment. You see, it's in the Sabbaths that we begin to understand God's will. It's not in the activity most of the time. It's in the Sabbath. Because we have space and we have time. And we have these moments where we can finally understand what it is that God wants for us. And you know, it's also in the pauses in our lives that God provides strength for the upcoming trials. And we see this all over Scripture. I'm just going to reference it. I'm not going to read these texts because you're probably very familiar with them, right? The idea that there were 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Like we have a tendency to think that that was the trial that Noah went through. That wasn't the trial that Noah went through. He handled that really well, actually. The trial that Noah went through was when there was a new earth that he had to inhabit. That's when the things got hard. He needed that time, 40 days and 40 nights. How about this? 40 years in the desert. Moses is in the desert getting prepared for the work that God has him to do. That is a pause, my friends. 40 years. Not to mention the 40 days that he stayed up on Sinai before God gave him the Decalogue because he knew the activity that he was about to engage in when he came down the hill was so much. Or how about this, the 40 days that Jesus spends in the wilderness before he's tempted and before he really in earnest begins his ministry. I will read that one. It's simple. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. You don't get a pause unless you're led by the Spirit to it. That's how we experience Sabbath, by allowing the Holy Spirit to direct our lives. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. By the way, you know, the devil could have tempted him day one, right? It would have been fine. The temptation that the devil was giving to Jesus were just as palpable on day one as they were on day 40. But God needed him to have 40 days. It wasn't just so he would be weak because it doesn't say anywhere that he was weak. The only thing it says in the next text is that he was very hungry. It doesn't say he was weak. Satan could have tempted him on day one, but God needed him to have 40 days to Sabbath, to fast, to pray, to be prepared for what was next. You see, the temptation was just as much being in, I'll, I'll say this, the test was just as much being in the wilderness for 40 days as it was the temptation at the end of those 40 days. And we have a tendency to forget that. But it's in the pauses of our lives when we learn faithfulness. When, when I was put on the bench, it was years, it was two years at least, before I got called to come to Crosswalk Church. And as hard as it was, it was a blessing, learning to be faithful, learning to listen to when God's going to call again. And I didn't do it perfectly. I don't know that I've done it perfectly since I've been here. But it's in those pauses where we learn to be faithful. When we don't know what God is doing, but God is doing something, 
when God is preparing us for something, he's teaching us something, when he's, when he's, when he's strengthening us, when he's filling us up, and sometimes when he's emptying us out so that we can be filled out with the right things, filled up with the right things. In the pauses of our lives, we learn faithfulness, but that's not the only thing we learn, as we've mentioned before. The pauses create anticipation for a movement of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's a day, a moment, or a season. Waiting on God creates clarity on what we should be doing and where we should be going. And you know what? If you don't have clarity, wait. Listen. And sometimes God will say, give that one a try. And so you go in a direction and it doesn't feel right. That's a moment you go, oh, I'm still listening. Just because it felt like I should go this way doesn't mean it's true. I can turn around because God is a God of second chances. And the pause creates faithfulness because sometimes it's out of your hands. And you're not going to be called into the game until the coach calls you back into the game. And sometimes that takes a while and that's okay. Because God has granted us long lives, even though they seem like they're going by very quickly. But God hasn't granted us just the life here, remember. Your faithfulness and your obedience is something that transcends your death and moves in to the forever moments that God has in store for you. So every pause is a preparation for forever, for the faithfulness that we will need to be with God forever. So as we ask these questions, the one question you got to ask is, is God creating a pause in your life? Are things changing to slow you down? Or have you been in a pause and things are, are changing to begin to ramp up again? What did he teach you? What did he show you? Were you faithful? Do you have clarity? Are you ready for God to move again, no matter how he shows up? Or maybe you're at the beginning of it and you've been sensing for a long time, God is telling you, you've got to stop. You cannot sustain this. And I'm not asking you to sustain it. I'm asking you to take a moment and Sabbath with me. Wherever you are in that journey, God will be with you. And this community wants to honor that as well. And I got to tell you, it's, it's practical too. I got a call a few weeks ago, essentially from, uh, from our Denver group that we were really hoping we'd get off, get off the ground and really start moving. And it looks like it's not going to happen. And I could tell they were like embarrassed. You know, circumstances had changed in their lives. The leaders were moving into different jobs and, and all this. The conference was still supportive, but it just, it didn't, it didn't have what we thought was Holy Spirit momentum. And, it, and they, I could tell they were nervous to speak to me. And I was like, hey, listen, we don't work on the plans that we create. We prepare for the plans that God has for us. And sometimes he opens doors and sometimes he closes them. And if he's asking for a, if he's asking for a pause in what we thought was a God-led movement in your town, that's, that's fine. We're not gonna force God on anyone. And we're gonna force our community when the Holy Spirit's not opening those doors. I sense relief in them, but I had relief too. Because I don't feel like, oh man, we failed. And I'm sure that that's what people say when we take it off. If we haven't taken it off the, the website already, people say, oh, look, crosswalk, see, it doesn't work. They're modeled. Well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? When God's ready to open up opportunities, we'll walk through those doors. When God closes those doors, we say thank you for the extra space that we have in our lives. 
and we prepare for the next door that opens up. That's the way this works. It's not about ego. It's not about empire building. It's all about the kingdom of God. And that expands at the pace that God has chosen, not us. And your life is the same way. You will grow and you will move in the pace that God has required and decided for you. So if you need to wait and figure that out, it's okay. In fact, it just might be the very best thing that you need to be the kind of person God needs to build his kingdom on your shoulders. Let's bow our heads. Lord of grace, God of the pause, God of Sabbath, we don't like it. We want to be in the game, man. But Lord, may we lean back on your wisdom, not on our desire. And Lord, when you open doors, prepare us to go through them. And as you build your kingdom, let us be a part. But Lord, thank you for the Sabbath. And thank you for the Sabbaths you give. Because ultimately, that's what we need. We need more clarity, more anticipation, more faithfulness. And you build those, you build those into us through the Sabbath. We thank you for that. And Lord, we run towards you. We run for you. And we run to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Stand and worship with us one more time.